welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. One topic that seems to be a never-ending source of questions and issues in the labor and employment law world is employee phone use. In today's episode, I'm going to give you five of the biggest issues facing employers when it comes to employee phone use. Now, before I get started, I'm going to give you the takeaway first. The answer to most of these issues that come up with employee phone use is having a well-thought-out and consistently applied policy or policies to address the issues. Also, consider whether employees will use their own phones, in which case you need a so-called bring-your-own-device or BYOD policy, or whether you will provide employees with company phones. The latter approach gives the employer more control, but obviously comes at a greater expense. With that said, let's jump into the issues. Issue number one, safety. One of the biggest issues with employee phone use is safety, and this comes up most often for employers in two scenarios. Number one, of course, is employees who drive in the course of their duties. But it's not just delivery and truck drivers, although they are a large percentage of the drivers we're talking about. But don't forget about outside salespeople. Even if they drive their own cars, executives who travel for business, and even administrative employees who run errands during the workday, like going to the bank. All of these driving employees can expose their employers to liability if they're texting and driving, or even taking calls while driving, especially if they don't use a hands-free device. And the fact is that not only are the employees taking a risk that extends to their employers, in many states they're violating the law. Most states have banned texting and driving, and many prohibit phone calls unless they're hands-free. So when it comes to phones and driving, employers really need to have a policy in place and enforce it. I have some companies I work with that completely ban phone use unless an employee is parked, and that's not a bad idea. The problem is often consistency and enforcement. The rules have to apply to everyone, and you have to be willing to enforce the rule and issue discipline for violations. Now, as I mentioned, driving is only one of the two main scenarios where employee phone use impacts safety. The other is the danger of distracted employees being injured in the workplace. We've all seen the videos online of the person staring at their phone and walking into a fountain or a wall. Well, that's no laughing matter in an an industrial setting, but it happens more often than you might think. Many employers make employees leave their phones in a locker or ban phones in work areas, And I think this may be a good practice for many businesses. And as we will discuss shortly, there are other reasons to ban phones in work areas. But while this is pretty straightforward in a real industrial setting, like a factory or steel mill, or even a warehouse, it's not always so clear in more light industrial settings. This is just an issue that employers need to make an individualized risk assessment about in determining what policy works for them. Issue number two, trade secrets. I've discussed protection of trade secrets at length in several episodes, and one key point to protecting your trade secrets is keeping them secret. Seems kind of obvious, I know. The secret formula for Coca-Cola is no longer a trade secret if they publish it on their website. Now, when you get into litigation over trade secrets, an inevitable question is what steps the party trying to protect the trade secret has taken to keep it secret. For instance, are certain sensitive documents kept under lock and key, or if they're an electronic electronic format, do you need a password to access them? Another often overlooked area is what has the employer done to protect itself from employee theft of trade secrets in the workplace? This brings us back to the phone issue for a couple of reasons. First, pretty much every phone today includes a camera. 
This could be an issue for many employers if employees are not prohibited from taking photos of certain things in the workplace that the employer might want to protect as a trade secret. This could include things like certain technologies or processes, but it might even extend to employees taking photos of PowerPoint presentations containing sensitive information. Again, this is something that can be addressed by a consistently applied policy. Another area where this comes up is what happens when an employee loses their phone or has it stolen. Does the employer have the ability to wipe sensitive data from the lost phone? This can be addressed with several security solutions available on the market today. Finally, I'll give you one more, although this is not an exhaustive list. The level of security on employee phones containing sensitive information is another concern. Are employee phones all protected with passcodes? Are employees signing into unsecured Wi-Fi networks? If your employees have sensitive trade secret information on their phones, these are questions you should be asking. Issue number three, evidence preservation. These days, discovery in employment litigation often focuses on electronic documents. Of course, this involves email, but what about text messages? I encounter so many cases today where employees communicate via text messages, and it often happens that text messages disappear when an employee gets a new phone. Depending on the circumstances, this can be a real problem for employers in litigation. One approach some employers take is to forbid text message discussions of certain employment issues. All this this may or may not be possible depending on the workplace. The bottom line is that if employees are communicating via text, they will come up in litigation and at some point steps need to be taken to preserve them. Another important point to keep in mind is that people tend to be less formal and more conversational in text messages and often send things to one another that they would not dream of sending in a company email. Again, something to keep in mind. Issue number four, wage and hour issues. Another problem that frequently comes up with employee use of phones are wage and hour issues. One common scenario is off-the-clock work. Obviously, a single text now and then to an hourly employee is not going to generate claims. But if hourly employees are frequently answering text messages outside of their normal work hours, particularly if the text exchanges are with managers, you might have a problem. The other issue with these claims is that they come with ready-made proof in the form of the text messages themselves. And I can assure you that employees who are intending to bring a lawsuit are saving all of the text messages. Now, this is an issue that can be addressed by a policy, but it's really more of a training issue to cover with managers. The second big area of wage and hour concern with employee phone use is reimbursement for phone-related expenses. If employees are required to use their phones for work, the employer may be required to reimburse them for at least some of their related expenses. In fact, many states now have laws explicitly requiring these kinds of reimbursements. So this is a high-risk area, particularly for employers with operations and employees in multiple states. Issue number five, employee privacy. Finally, I saved the best for last, employee privacy. Depending on how your systems are set up, you may have quite a bit of visibility into your employee's phone use. This is not necessarily a bad thing, as many employers have legitimate reasons for monitoring employee phone use. They can monitor to address issues related to productivity and safety, just to name a couple of legitimate reasons. However, employees may also have privacy rights connected with their phone use, and this area has become a minefield for employers. Obviously, the issue is simpler if the employer provides the phone to the employee. In this scenario, the employer has a much stronger right to monitor the use of the phone. 
However, when the employee uses a personal phone for work, the lines get a bit blurry. An overarching issue is to what extent the employee has a reasonable expectation of privacy in the use of their phone. This can be addressed to some degree by a well-written policy. For an example, for example, an employer may let employees know that it will monitor employee use of company email and internet activities at work, and that's usually fine. However, employers may be able to see well beyond those areas. Also, there are so many laws on the books now that impact this area. Multiple federal laws govern this area, and more recently several states have enacted privacy laws that impact this area and cover monitoring in general, as well as more specific areas, such as social media monitoring. It has gotten to the point that I do not think employers should make it a practice to monitor employee cell phone use without first consulting with their Labor and Employment Council. And even after that, they need to put very clear rules in place in this area. So there you have it. There's five issues to consider with employee phone use. And to circle back to where I started, employee phone use is an area that really calls for a careful and broad consideration by employers of how employees are using their phones and what policy the employer needs to have in place to protect itself from claims. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.